Want to learn how to jumpstart your career or next project? Want advice on what you need to do to achieve your next big break? The How To Into podcast is here to put you in front of local professionals that are doing what you want to do. Now, let's kick back and learn something, shall we? Here are your hosts, Claire and Jesse. Welcome to the How To Into podcast. My name is Jesse uh, with Claire Semrad here. Um, Claire, I'm super excited to be talking to Alexander Peterson. Um, this guy, we worked together um, about four or five years ago and hearing his journey and the things that have, he's done in his life um, from selling copiers to now um, being a published author and having his book on Amazon and is promoting it. So, I mean, a lot of cool things that have happened over the last five years in Alexander's life. Um, and some things too, that, you know, like in most of our lives, we know everyone has to go through different trials and things like, like that. Um, so we're excited to have him on and, and learn a little bit more. So welcome, Alexander. Yeah, I'm grateful to be here. Um, it's been a journey for me for sure. Um, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's been cool. (laughs) Um, a little bit about me. So I'm 34 years old. I've got, um, I've got, well, four kids, but unfortunately my wife and youngest daughter passed away a year ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that changed my world. It flipped everything upside down and, um, put me in a position where I, you know, I had no clue what I was going to do. Um, as a single dad, how do you work a full-time job and take care of small kids? And I have, with me, um, three small kids, the oldest being nine and then a seven-year-old and a four-year-old turning five. And, uh, you know, all of them have specific needs. They need to go to school at different times and, uh, who's there to pick them up. Who's there to take them home. Uh, in the job that you mentioned that you and I worked at together, um, you know, I would be leaving the house at close to six, six thirty in the morning. Right. I mean, well before they would even wake up to go to school. So who takes them to school? Right. And I wouldn't get home until after six o'clock. So who picks them up from school? Right. Um, I feel like there's like a grace period too. When something like that happens, everyone comes together, but after a certain amount of time, life continues to go and move, um, move forward. And so that help, I mean, granted family and friends are there, but eventually that help kind of dissipates as well. And it's back up to you of what, what to accomplish. Right. And what do you got to do? So, I mean, absolutely. That'd be r- ridiculously hard. No, it would be. I think about that all the time. Uh, what would be the the changes for me or like, what would, uh, how would you even do that? Um, joking. I mean, jokingly, I had, a, I had a guy come up to me that we were, I was at pizza pie cafe with her kids and he came up and he was like, yeah, it's tough being a single dad. And I kind of, I kind of joked with him like I was, but I obviously am not. But, um, but I, th- I found it really interesting because it really made me start to think like, I wonder, wonder how you would, like, how would you your kids wouldn't be with you all day. They'd be at daycare and things like that. So you got to kind of make some adjustments. So they see you a little bit more. Um, but for you, like, what was, what was, what was the, oh, I want to say life like, but I want to say, um, have you always wanted to write children's books? Like even prior to these events that happened a year ago, or. Uh, I wouldn't say that I always wanted to be an author, but most of the stories that I'm putting out right now, I actually wrote over 10 years ago when I first met my wife. My wife was a school teacher and she was a reading specialist. So she was very passionate about reading stories to kids. And I would just come up with these little stories that I would share with her and she would read to her kids. And we wrote them all out um, and I have them. And um, she loved them so much. And it was always a life dream of hers to get them published. Um, of course, I was always too busy trying to chase that dollar that, you know, that kind of stuff didn't really come to my mind. And self-publishing is a long and, you know, 
challenging task. And uh, it's even harder if you're trying to find somebody to do it all for you. Like if you're trying to find uh, a publisher, they, they just don't take unsolicited work. And so it's an always an uphill battle. But when uh, my wife passed away, uh, I decided to read one of her favorite stories, which was The Great Peduncle. It's actually written about my wife, kind of uh, her personality type, which is always a supportive role. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Great Peduncle is a story about a little girl who always wants to be in first place. She always wants to win. She wants to be the best at something. But no matter how hard she tries, someone else is always better. Someone else always wins. Someone else always gets the attention. And um, if you're unfamiliar with uh, the, uh, you know, a botany and the anatomy of a flower, um, there's a part on a flower called a peduncle. And this is the part that's underneath the, the rose petals or the leaves and things like that. It actually supports the body of the flower. And nobody knows that. Uh, why, right. why would you? <laughs> um, so this poor little girl in the story, her name's Lily Bloom. She uh, is so upset that she can't be the best at something. And a teacher of hers asks her, well, what do you like about this rose? Look at this rose. What do you like about it? And she says, I love the pretty petals and the way it smells. And he says, well, everybody likes that. Everybody likes it. But it's the part underneath the, the flower the peduncle that makes the flower possible. Mm-hmm. And he points out all the times where Lily actually helps all of her friends and all of the people around her. And so uh, that's my wife. She never really got much attention for doing anything that she did, but she was always there when other people were successful. And so she loved that story. So when she passed away, I actually read that story at her funeral and so many people came up to me and said, oh, I wish that book was published. I, I would read it. I would buy it. <laughs> so it was that moment that I decided, you know, nothing's going to stop me. I'm going to go ahead and just take control and do this. So I found uh, an illustrator. It was difficult to find somebody to pick up a project because, you know, you got to pay them and they have to have the time. Uh, but I found uh, a wonderful um, illustrator back east, uh, Mina Price. She was inspired by the story and decided to take it. And uh, she did a great job. Her illustrations are absolutely beautiful. And um, we got the illustrations done, but then it's, it doesn't stop there. The illustrations aren't the end all. Um, you still have all of your formatting issues and everything like that before any kind of a book printer will take it. In this case, I went through uh, Kindle Publishing, which is owned by Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kindle Publishing has very strict rules on paper size and formats. Well, huh. when, you're, when you're an artist, you just go onto whatever platform you're drawing on. And, um, you know, it can have as many pixels or as many, you know, the size doesn't really matter. It's the, you're looking at it optically, right? but Kindle doesn't look at it optically. They look at it by these parameters on paper size and trying to convert everything and keep the picture and images the same and still follow their guidelines is, is a nightmare of a process, which uh, it's a huge learning curve. So it took me just about as much time to figure that all out as it did right. to even get the illustrations done. So how many hours do you, do you say you've put into this book? Uh, well, I, don't, I never kept track. I mean, there was just no way to do it. It was um, usually I would get the kids in bed and then spend a few hours at night just trying to figure out exactly how to get these pages to work out and, and piece together so that they would fit in the parameters. So um, you were still doing all of this and working full time? No, actually, at, at well, part of it, yeah. But, um, you know, I had gone to part time work to see how that would work. And that wasn't doing very well either. So I actually just quit my job. I, I don't want to actually work. And for those that don't know, like we did copier sales, um, like I said, 
and that particular job is a grind. Um, you know, there's quotas you need to hit. There's things you need to do in order to continue to stay relevant. And eventually things, you know, is with a wonderful company. It was, there's still things that and expectations you've got to meet. So having those expectations plus family life, plus, you know, figuring out a whole new role is, is it's hard. It's unreal. The, uh, the challenges I couldn't imagine going through it, but what I really like, Alexander, is the fact that you've taken something that you're passionate about. You've taken a situation where, you know, it's an unfortunate circumstance where you lost your wife, but you were able to do something that meant a lot to her, a book that she really liked, um, a talent that you have. And now you're moving it over to this is who I am. And it's now changed the way that you present yourself, the way that you are, in essence. And I think that that is awesome. And a lot of people listening to this need to understand, like at the end of the day, when you have a problem and there's something that you're faced with, it's your action. It's your decision to make that action and to, and to figure out what you're going to do with the, with those situations. Um, and I love that you've taken this and turned it from, you know, something that's a a depressing situation, right? Losing a loved one to now letting your wife's legacy continue to live through this book. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Um, one of the things that I've learned from this process. So in the past, I was always a dreamer, never a doer. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, some people aren't dreamers. Some people are just natural doers. They get in there and they, they can do that, uh, that work pretty easily, but they don't come up with the ideas of the content. I was always really good at coming up with content. It was never my issue. Um, but I was always afraid of what it would take to, to accomplish that work. Right. right. And time was always an issue. Money was always an issue. Um, the fear of failure was always an issue. Um, but when you lose your wife and, and also my daughter, yeah. um, when you lose that, um, part of your life, um, you're not really afraid of anything right. at, at that point. I mean, it's kind of what you start to see what's the most important, right. And let go of the rest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I don't really fear the future because I, I, I understand now that I don't actually have control over it. Right. And so, I can actually dedicate my time to things that I want to accomplish without the fear of failure. And that's a big, big um, factor in coming up with this. Cause it's not just this one book. Uh, there's many books that are being worked on right now. I have two other books, one that just finished the illustration phase and is going into that formatting phase phase. And the other one that is um, being illustrated right now that uh, will be coming out uh, hopefully those will be done here in the next several months. Um, I've also got a memoir. I've got a non-help or, no, or it's a non-self self-help book. Okay. It's, it's kind of a funny thing. I'm taking my experiences as being a, as being a sales rep and applying that to like a self-help format. Um, obviously I'm not a doctor or anything like that. I'm not a psychologist, so I, I can't approach a, a book from that perspective, but I can approach um, helping yourself through sales techniques that I picked up during my career selling copiers. Right. Absolutely. And I, like, I think that us as people, we want real life experiences and not something just from a textbook. Right. So I think that that's awesome where you can go through your experiences as a sales rep, the things you went through the trials and really give that great content that people we're all looking for. Right. Like when I go to YouTube to look at something, it's, I want the real authentic, genuine, I don't want the the BS numbers and, you know, the things like that to make me feel good. I want to know what it's like. Right. Um, and to the best of my capabilities before actually experiencing, experiencing it. I always think about, um, 
like I, I relate from this from more of like a music standpoint. When you when you have somebody that's an artist that has something to say, it comes through their music. If somebody's just trying to put something out there, it also comes through. And um, that I think is what's going to obviously drive your success in this is you have something to say and that's, and it's genuine. It's coming across that way. Did you ever wonder about that when you were putting your book out there to say, I wonder if anybody's going to be able to relate to this and now what the feedback is. I think everybody relates to this story. Um, when you read it, um, it has a very, um, child base, um, meaning and significance to it. I mean, we all go through experiences where we're not the center of attention. Um, and, and that, and for some people that just continues to grow on into adulthood and that's why it reaches out to so many people, specifically, uh, mothers, stay at home moms relate to this story so well because of everything that they do, the sacrifices that they make and the work they put into. And it's oftentimes underappreciated. Nobody thanks them for that work. And yet it's the hardest work that there is out there. And so this story actually is kind of a nod to them and a nod to anybody that um, is on the sidelines um, helping people out. And it's, it's really meant to, to characterize um, the help that we get that nobody's really accomplishing great things by themselves. And I like that. Cause I think that every, you know, if, if you're a basketball fan, every Jordan needs a Pippin, right? Every, every person needs someone that is there. That's picking you up. That's holding it together. Right. Cause you have someone that is maybe a dreamer and then you have someone that's an executor, but then who's holding it all together. Who's keeping everyone on the same page and, and handling it. And that's, I mean, I love, I love the concept of this story, the peduncle, right. That's in the middle of the flower that's holding it up. And maybe it's the thing that no one ever knows about because we're all looking at this amazing blossomed flower. But I mean, at the end of the day, without that, it's not a flower, right? It can't stand up on its own. It would just wilt and die. So I think that that is, like you said, with stay at home moms, that really hit me because, you know, like my mom was uh, divorced when I was 12. And so she had to do it all and no accolades, nothing like that. She just held it together but that's pushed me to be who I am without that or that peduncle in my life. Right. I wouldn't be able to be here. I'd probably be following in footsteps of other people that didn't want to go down the road anyway. So I love that. Um, yeah, you actually bring up a really good point. So I'm working with some people that are going to help me uh, push this along um, marketing wise. And we've come up with a really good idea where when we get a site up and running, we're actually going to start nominating or having people nominate peduncles in cool. their lives. Um, and what we hope to do by this is just build up more of that uh, togetherness. I mean, right now more than ever, you know, our society is struggling. Mm -hmm. um, we have nothing but, you know, bullies and name calling, and there's just a lot of anarchy going on right now. What we really need to do is band together. And so we want to put uh, an application out there where people can nominate peduncles and we want to be able to donate books and things like that to those people who are nominated and kind of share that, that feeling and, and show our appreciation for these people. Isn't it funny that the peduncles in our life are generally the ones that are the most underpaid, you know, teachers. <laughs> That's the first one that comes to my mind. Stay at home moms. They're yeah. what they're paid in in experiences with their children, but they're not paid on a financial number. Um, I mean, grandparents too, like the, the thought about that, I mean, gonna, the most undervalued, but the most important thing, you know, you're going to kick out of this. So I actually 
so I, I do mortgages and I had an application and usually when you, when you see like that application, you have a, you have a borrower and a co-borrower and you put like their job description down and what they do and that kind of thing. And you, you fill out that information. And on one, I, I literally put that, <laughs> that it was a, it was a stay at home mom and it says job description. And I literally put everything. Yeah. And, and we were sitting at the closing table and the title company, she's going through it. She's going through it. It's called the 1003 of the original application. She looks at it. She's like, I have never seen that before, but it's very true. And we went through it. I thought it was really, really pretty cool to actually, I didn't even think about much of it at the time. I just kind of almost did it. It's like, oh yeah, they do everything. But then I took on a whole new meaning after we went through that closing. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, it, the more I'm sitting here thinking about it, all these people that and influences in my life have all been because they've been servicing right like scout leaders i have a scout leader in my life that literally took me under his wing as one of his sons um during the time that my mom was going through a divorce and never asked for any money he volunteered through a local church organization and that was i mean in my life a, a stepping stone to brighter and better days so i i mean i love this book and so alexander we can find this on amazon right and you mentioned a website coming on um do you have any idea when that website's going to be launching? I don't have an exact time frame for that. Um, we're actually starting to do, try to build a brand around this. Cool. So uh, the brand is Live Well Communications, um, and the website's going to be livewellcom.com or livewellcommunications.com. Cool. Um, so we're working on that, um, building that up. Uh, basically, it's kind of a funny story of how Live Well Communications started. Um, something I've actually never really told anybody else. So, so we have an exclusive here on our show. It sounds like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So in February of 2019, uh, things were not very good for me. Um, I was not doing well at work. I was kind of burnt out with work, uh, unhappy, didn't have very good relationships with, with, um, certain people that were, you know, involved in my life. Um, and I just, caved. And I remember pulling into a parking lot after work one day, calling my wife and I told her it's over and I'm, I'm leaving. Um, I kept a gun in my car and I just said, I'm, I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget it. My wife being who she was, she just said, you know, I love you. I don't care what you do for work. I don't care if we live in a box, just come home. Um, cause we need you. And so I, I came home and she didn't make anything of it. She just gave me a big hug and my kids came over and they all hugged me. And I felt so much peace and so much happiness at that point, but who knew that just five months later, my wife would be dead. Yeah. And I really needed that same pick me up that my wife gave me. And so I started watching a lot of um, inspirational speakers on YouTube and just listening to a lot of the same themes and things like that over and over and over again. And I started to really dissect what the messages were, but there was one thing I could not grasp. All of these inspirational speakers have lives that don't relate to the rest of us. Mm -hmm. And I remember one in particular was a retired MBR or I'm sorry, uh, NBA player. And I mean, this guy's like seven foot two. Right. And he's trying to tell us, you know, if you work hard, you can do anything. He's like, I, I, I'm not good at basketball. I had to work really, really hard. And all I want to do was just contact this guy and say, listen, I'm five foot six. Are you telling me that if I work really hard, I'm going to make it to the NBA? Right. I mean, it's just not going to happen. 
So I, you know, I'm watching all of these. You've you've got NBA players, you've got astronauts, you've got uh, you know, people that have been in high positions politically that are all motivational speakers, um, and and to some, to their credit, mind you, you have people with disabilities mm-hmm. that are coming out and and presenting great messages. But not all of us have those same disabilities. So you just have a lot of inspirational speakers who don't have a relatable story. Now I'm five foot six, probably overweight. And, uh, you know, I'm not really working. I mean, what have I done in my life? But you know what? That's the best message. How do I continue? How do I wake up every day and go back at it? Right. Right. If you're, if you're just a regular person and working nine to five, you don't want to listen to a, a millionaire basketball player tell you that, hey, work hard and life will be great. You want to listen to the person who just keeps getting dumped on time and time and time again. And how does he do it? How does he wake up again, knowing that he's going to go right back into the same day and get beat up again? So we wanted to build Live Well Communications, me and a few people that I know, and start promoting these these more personal stories from people who just live day-to-day lives, right? Mm -hmm. The mom, who no matter how hard she tries, her house is just never clean. It's always messy. It's always dirty. She's stressed out. She goes to work. She comes back, takes care of her kids. House is still messy. She has a message that none of these NBA players are going to be able to tell you, right? She's going to be able to tell you stuff. She's going to be more supportive. She's going to lend you her ear more than anybody else. And these people matter. And that's what we want to share. And so this book and a few other books that are, are coming out and hopefully many more in the future um, present these types of personal stories. Yeah. I love that. I mean, how many times have you been dunked on? Right. And what, at some point you just get out of the way or do you just continue to stand there and, and let someone dunk and, you know, take the stripes. Right. I think of some of the great boxing fighters and, you know, they take just punch after punch after punch, they never go down. And after nine rounds, they could easily fall down and they still lost the match. Right. But they went nine freaking rounds without falling. And that's unreal. Like how many punches do you have until you, you give up? And at some point, if you don't give up, what is that trigger in that person's life that keeps them going every single time? I think that's awesome. And I think that hearing that from regular people that have real life experiences is awesome. I think that's great. I think so too. And I keep, I keep thinking about like when, when you were talking about that was these individuals, um, I mean, for the most part, I mean, they do their job day in, day out and they, I mean, in, in some ways they're only lifting themselves up. If that makes sense. Like there, there is no blame to cast anywhere. There is no nothing. They, they, um, they literally have to focus on like getting their, how do I put it? But it's not necessarily that they focus on themselves, but they do in a way where they, they, they pick themselves up and they keep going. And that's, that's actually, when you look at the professional world, that's actually pretty rare that you find somebody that focuses on bettering themselves and those around them in it versus casting blame and complaining. That's, that's actually pretty rare in the professional place. Right. I mean, I run a team, I have seven real estate agents under my team and every one of them has different things that they need to focus on myself included. Right. But you know, and every one of us has to wake up the same hour of the day and go, do I want it to be a great day or do I want it to just be a meh day? Right. Like, and that's where it's like, all right, am I going to take my punches and get told no on the phone? Am I going to sit at home, watch some TV? And you can tell those that make those decisions to 
do the hard things, come out over on top over time. But it's funny, their character changes too. Like they're more patient with people because they're more patient with themselves. Whereas those that are just sitting there watching the TV, not doing anything, are the ones that, woe is me, like my life is hard. I can't do anything. Well, it takes that action. It takes that effort, right? Well, you know, and there's also different, you know, some different points of view. Um, you know, I work with a lot of people who are underprivileged um, right. and it's not because of anything that they're doing incorrectly. Most of these people are really good people and they actually work really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but life has a way of, you know, promoting some and keeping others down. Um, one thing to keep in mind, you know, like I said, most inspirational speakers are going to say, say those same things. Like they've got these trigger phrases that they think are going to mean something to somebody. And and we all internalize it and, and go, yeah, this is going to be great. They say, and like you, you mentioned, we all have the same amount of hours in a day. And and who can argue with that? Well, I'm going to go ahead and argue with that. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, no, we don't actually have the same hours in the day. And I'll tell you why. You get a guy who has the money to live close to work, right? He lives in a, you know, more ritzy part of town, but it's mm-hmm. closer to the office. He can He can wake up and get to work in 10 minutes. Whereas the person who has to live out in the boonies because they can't afford to live close to work, they have to drive an hour and a half. Right. So no, they don't actually have the same time. Now, somebody, if you're going to, if you're really going to go the rounds, they're going to say, well, during that time, be productive, listen to, listen to books on tape and, you know, make that hour and a half productive. Make your sales call. Right. Okay. Yeah. But then, all right. I, I'm just going along, but you know, the narrative, but, but who's, you know, it's, it's easy to tell other people what to do. Right. Um, when you take the emotion out of the day, it's easy to say, this is what you should be doing. But the problem is, is that person that's living out in the boonies, they're living out in the boonies because their life isn't close to town, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're worrying about bills that some other people aren't worrying about. They're worrying about relationships some people aren't worrying about. So when they're driving or when they're sitting there watching TV, um, they're just surviving. Right. And so my entire purpose is to be a hero for people who are failing. Yeah, I'm not telling you to overcome anything. I'm not telling you, you know, improve yourself. I'm telling you that you may not be this great person in life. You're not going to be well-known. You may not get a million likes on, on social media, mm-hmm. but you're still a good person. Be a good person in your circle, right? And too many of us are focused on all that other stuff. And we listen to these inspirational speakers and they're telling us, no, you've got to work harder and stronger and faster and sleep less. And, you know, so you got to be on top. Right. And the whole point of like, for example, the great peduncle is that you don't have to be on top, right? You don't have to be on top. You can help other people. If you see a need, help them. Um, Just live your life in, in a positive light. But if you're always going after that number one mark, if you're always trying to be the best, I mean, that's where we get into those sales things. I mean, the one thing I learned from sales is that it's, you know, you could have the best month ever. And then the very next month, if you're not on top, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yep. That last month was history. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how that makes a person feel? Yeah. And, and you talk about you, anyone that works in sales, if you're managing a team and they're and you're in sales, um, what, what's some of the biggest complaints? That's one of the biggest complaints. People are like, well, I did really good last month. Right. And, and now they're just, they're just, you know, dogging on me because I'm not doing good this month and they feel underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Right. And where does that actually stack up on your business? See, is business more important than this individual? See, I don't know. Right. right? Business is, is important, but I've always felt like 
people are more important. Right. And depending on what side of the fence you're on, that answer could change, right? right? If you're the CEO of the company that's getting paid off the labor of your employees, absolutely the business is more important, right? Yeah. But if you're the employee who's got bills to pay, then it's like, well, no, I'm a person. Like I, I truly matter. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, it's who knows what the correct answer is. I don't know if there is one. I think it's depending on what side of the fence you sit on. And like you said, if there's privilege out there, like well, at what point? Right? I mean, this is a debate that's been going on for, you know, for years. For, it's caused civil wars. Yeah. I mean, this right. isn't going away. I mean, there's so many. And like you said, there's a side of offense and you can look at it from all these different point of views. And that's just my perspective. I mean, I've already lost so much in my life that uh, there's so many things that I don't value anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, last night I was uh, I was in a, a group setting with a lot of other people that are in my shoes. They've lost spouses and um, the subject of the future came up and they started talking about, uh, well, how do you plan for retirement now? And I just laughed and I said, I don't, you know why? Because I mean, if I work for the next 20, 30 years of my life saving for retirement, but I die five years before I get to retire, what good was that retirement money that I saved up for? I mean, I can pass on to my kids, but I mean, but they rather have money or the experiences with their dad. And believe me, I'm not telling anybody, don't worry about retirement, worry about retirement, take care of that stuff. What I'm trying to make the point is, is that we don't have that control of the future. And so, you know, trying to live more in the now, but, but understanding that, that, that there's just a lot of bad cards that have been dealt and it sucks to have them. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's going to be okay. If you can wake up every day and get through that day and start it over again and keep doing that. But the one thing that's helped me the most is I can either be the guy that everybody's helping or I can go out and be the guy that's helping other people. Right. Right. If I'm not on top, then I'm, I'm one of those two, right? Mm-hmm. People are either helping me or I'm helping. Them. And I'd rather be the guy that's helping other people. I, I keep, this keeps coming to mind because it was, it was interesting because when we first started talking, you started explaining uh, the great pinnacle. Um, I was, I was thinking about my eight year old daughter mm-hmm. who's going, so we had, we have an eight year old, and a six-year-old and a six-year-old is a, is just a natural phenomenal tumbler. Like when people see her, she goes flipping through the room and, and six-year-olds just aren't supposed to do this. But my eight-year-old and we, we, we went and tried this, this gymnastics place to see maybe, you know, if she wanted to go gymnastics and if she did, does she have a shot to like being this young and as, as quickly she's grasped onto it, she should go the Olympic route. And we were sitting there and you can just tell like the, my eight-year-old sitting there and you can tell like she's kind of jealous and she kind of maybe looks further down on herself um, for maybe not being in this class or maybe the tricks aren't as cool at dance as they are at tumbling and things like that. But the amount of time that what, what she doesn't see is she was the oldest child. So everything that my, my eldest was doing my young, my now the six-year-old was watching her do. So in that way, she was basically her, she doesn't realize it yet, but she was basically helping her get to where she is. Like we kind of talked about like the yeah. Pippin to the Jordan. Um, but I, I think too, like um, to all the folks out there that, you know, when you mentioned like chasing retirement, I think that when that's the, it, just like you said, you can't really ignore it because obviously we live in society and things like that and you, things got to be taken care of. But when that is more important than those that matter most, the the I think the reality is and what I've learned in my life, and it may not be the same as everybody's, but you'll never be satisfied with it. You could have $10 million in retirement 
and you still see those people chasing after it as if it's like the most important thing versus like in your scenario, when you sat there and you're, you're in your car and you're talking to your wife, you knew that you mattered most and you want to matter to those that matter most. And I keep thinking about that as we go through that. And that's to me that, I mean, just listening, and I haven't read the book yet, but I do want to get it because I literally sat there and I was like, I'm going to read this to, to my oldest one. But I, I sat, I thought about it. I was like, it's like, that's to me already. I feel like that would be the message I would go into thinking reading that book would be, you know, matter to those that matter most because you do get, I feel like most out of life when you do. Yeah, absolutely. I think like usually we have a how to and two question, but I think that we've wrapped up this entire show <laughs> in like 40 minutes. So I'd say watch the whole thing um, because it really does come down to it. So I guess the, the thought that I want to leave off or the how to and two question for you, Alexander, um, and I'm going to pause for a moment. So I make sure I word this correctly, but how do you change your mindset to look after other people as opposed to always looking after yourself? That is a really good question. And um, if you've, if you're a parent, you're hopefully already doing that with your kids. Right. And one thing that I've never understood about society, business or otherwise is the allowance we give to our kids, but that we don't give to adults. But when you ask most adults, most adults still feel like they're kids. Like I'm 34 and I still feel like I'm a little kid. Yeah. You know, take on those monkey bars. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, and, and even when it comes to parenting, I mean, no, there's no book on how to do this stuff. We're just all flying by the seat of our pants. It's just some people happen to do it better than others. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some reason, when we see an adult doing something incorrectly, I, boy, we get mad and we blame them and, and we just think they're the most awful person. I mean, have you ever been cut off on the road and you just think that person that cut you off is the biggest jerk? And that's just some other person that just made a mistake. Most likely right. didn't see you. You were in their blind spot or something, right? Mm-hmm. But we get so mad at these people. So the way that you would treat a kid is how you should just be treating other people. And hopefully that you're treating kids good. Right. <laughs> hopefully you're not coming home and, and you hopefully know, you're not abusing. pulling off your belt and spanking. Right. Right. <laughs> but I mean, it's just, think about it. I mean, yeah. we're all really just kids, you know, and um, it doesn't change. I mean, I, I know people that are in their eighties and they still feel like they're just, they're kids. And mm-hmm. most things we're still figuring out. And the problem is, is we get to the pride cycles where we accomplish stuff and then we start thinking, oh yeah, I'm better than this person. I'm better than that person. And, and, and you just think, oh yeah, I want to be better and better and better, you know? And what that's really doing is it's actually tearing down our society and it's dividing people. And, um, you know, I mean, think of it this way. Um, we have one of the highest unemployment rates right now, which means people aren't making any money yet. Amazon is selling more stuff than ever. People are not bringing in incomes, but they're, they're buying stuff because they're still trying to be better than everybody else. Right. They're still trying to be like, Hey, check out what I got. Right. You know, what we need to do is be a little bit more conservative on these things. Try not to compare ourselves with other people. I mean, this is all stuff that we've all heard a million times over, but let's internalize it. Right. Like, cause these are, these are things we all have to work on. Yeah. So just think about how you would interact with a child and interact with other people that way. Just kindly, um, you know, if you have to take time to explain stuff, do it because you don't know what that person knows or doesn't know. Right. 
So I think that that's today's takeaway, right? Um, and that's something I personally want to work at is looking at people as if they're children, right? Because you're right. My my three-year-old, she gets anything. And obviously she's a heck of a negotiator too, because, you know, she learns that from her dad. <laughs> but um, no, like that when we're sitting there and she's having a rough time, how many times do you tell them, this is your last warning, but it's really not, right? And so how many times can we forgive how many times can we just have that extended patience um, from other people? Because like you said, before we were talking um, and we started recording the show, uh, we were talking about knowledge and we're only limited to what we know. And there's so much more to know that we lack. But so we got to be patient with people and understand that it's only to their knowledge. My three-year-old does not know how to drive a car. So I can't get mad at her if she puts the car in reverse and backs it into a mailbox, right? If she runs outside and starts it, she doesn't know how. It doesn't matter. Like this person may be learning a different thing in their life as well. I love it. Alexander, thank you so much for jumping on our show here. Um, So we can find The Great Peduncle on Amazon. Websites coming soon. Um, And then there's more books as well. So um, we definitely love maybe in a year or two, come and revisit this and see where we're at. Um, see how much growth has happened but we appreciate everything and uh, your time as well so thank thank you you. thanks for your support and for listening to today's show be sure to follow how to into on instagram at how to into podcast please feel free to contact us by sending an email to how to into podcast at gmail.com if you enjoy our podcast drop a review and share with your friends